The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you. Be seated. Names are very personal. Paul was writing these, this letter to the church in Rome, and he's mentioning all these names, and it's probably people he knew in Rome, people he had heard about in Rome, and he's wanting them to receive his message in Rome. And so he's, as they would have received the letter, they would have read the letter out to the people. And so imagine uh, hearing this letter read, and you hear things like, Greet my brother, Scott Alford, in the Lord. Greet Mark Pearson and Luann Pearson, a great couple of God who have served for years. Greet Becky Smitherman. Greet Jordan and Brittany. Tell them I said hello. Thanks for all the years they've served. It just grabs your attention, doesn't it? It changes things to hear the names of people you know. Because behind every name, as I say their name, there's a story. And that's how you think of them. A name is not just letters that form a word and is a label. A name brings to memory the story of that person. And so Paul is bringing about these names to conjure up the understanding and reminder of the way that God's grace has transformed these people's lives. I think of Marshall and Summer, my brother and sister-in-law. The story of grace in their life, just a few years ago, watching the Lord bring them to salvation. Think of Jeremy Fox and watching the Lord change their lives. I think of the Killebrews, people I've known for so long, and seeing them move into the neighborhood, come to our church, and seeing them growing into the connecting with the body of Christ. I think of so many stories. I think of this last week or so when I think it was someone, Seth or Kristen, somebody posted the baptism pictures on Facebook of, of a couple years in a row where we saw stories of grace. We saw Clint and Shelly baptized and then... The pictures showing Jeannie and Kenny and so many watching the baptism. And then a year later, seeing Jeannie and Kenny in the pool being baptized. Stories of transforming grace. Stories of God changing lives when people come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's what we've been singing. It's, it's all about amazing grace. We, all of us, as Paul has been saying all throughout the letter in Rome, to Rome, all of us are in the same boat, and we are sinful and separated from God. And no one is any more or better off or worse off. We're all separated from God and hopelessly not able to save ourselves. But the good news is, which is what the word gospel means, good news, good news is you can be made right with God, declared holy and righteous in God's sight, not by your own merits, but by the merits of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we get credit for his righteousness. Are you kidding me? What an amazing gift. And so the blood of Christ, when you believe and trust that Jesus was the God-man who came on earth, who died, was buried, he rose again, and he died on the cross as the only acceptable sacrifice for your sin, and you receive that gift, 
God says, I declare you righteous. I accept you. You are reconciled to your father, your heavenly father. That is amazing grace. And when we grasp that concept, it changes our life. And Paul says, name after name of people who have been transformed by the grace of God. And so we're going to look at just a few stories of God's transforming grace and individuals that Paul knew. He knew them intimately. He knew them personally, many of them. Some of them he knew by reputation of how he had heard about what was God, what God was doing in their life. I'm going to take a little artistic liberty in some of these stories because we don't know the full details, but what I am going to tell you comes from other scriptures talking about the same people, extra-biblical material that talks about people that have the same name. And so I want you to imagine with me these people hearing their story and seeing how God transformed them by the grace of God. The first person we see is Phoebe. Phoebe in verse 1 and 2, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Centria. I commend that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and that you help her in whatever matter she may need you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and helper of myself as well, Paul says. So who is Phoebe? With a little imagination and looking at the scriptures that mention her, I think Phoebe was a young, single, no commitments, nothing holding her back, sharp, capable woman. She had a great, thriving, successful business. She was traveling the world over. She was experiencing all that the world had to offer, the finest cuisines and all the cultures that she visited the finest clothes from all the different parts of the land. She was living the dream. She did whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted, however she wanted to do it. She had the money to do it. Her business was booming. She had no kids holding her back. She was living the dream. She was that, that stage of life after college before you get married and have kids. She is an impressive woman. And when she experienced the grace of Christ, she was transformed. And she was transformed to a woman that went from, I'm going to do all I can to get all I can to experience. I'm not having anyone hold me back. I'm not having any restrictions. I'm not bound to anybody. I can go wherever, whenever, however. I am free She experiences the grace of Christ, and now she is made a woman who serves others, a woman who voluntarily commits herself to the needs of others, a woman who is bound by the grace of God, joyfully constrained to meet the needs of other people who have come to know Christ. She knows now she has a heart that has compassion towards widows and towards the hungry and towards meeting needs of the church where she says, listen, I'm going to take care of this. I've got the means. I've got the ability. I can do this so that the elders and the pastors can be free to focus on ministry of prayer and the word. Because Phoebe was probably made a deacon in the church. And that's what we see in Acts that deacons did. They focused on taking care of the practical needs, 
so that the ministers of the word could focus on prayer and the word. This is a woman who viewed her career probably at one time as everything. I'm going to do all that I can to make a name for myself, to be successful in business. She's driven. She's capable. She's smart. She's sharp. She's doing well. She's got money. She's got it all going on in the eyes of the world. And the Lord changes her heart that now everything's different. Her perspective is different. Her understanding of her identity is different. Her understanding of her purpose and her job, her career, her resources, her time, her energy, her emotions. Now she's grieving when others grieve. She's compassionate with those who are hurting. She's rejoicing when they rejoice. She belongs to a family of Christ. And this is what happened when the grace of God invades a heart. And so one day she's serving faithfully, she's giving money, she's taking care of people in need. And Paul hears she's about to go on a business trip to Rome. And so Paul says, hey, Phoebe, let's talk. And he tells her, Phoebe, I've been working on this letter that I feel God has inspired me to write. This is the only copy I got. And I trust you, when you go to Rome... Take this with you and get this message to the Roman church. That's the kind of woman she was. And so Paul entrusts her with this letter knowing she's going to Rome in her next business travel. And she comes to Rome and she hands the letter to the church and the church reads it, opens it up. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who was a servant of the church, which is at Centuria. Receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many and of myself as well. <clears throat> this is what the grace of God does in a life. So let me challenge the ladies in the church. Especially those who are not encumbered yet by a spouse or by children And you have the potential to say, or maybe even men too, if you're not married and kids and you think, I am free to live for myself. Does the grace of God change the way you view your freedom? This is what happens when we're in Christ. We become a bondservant of the one who was the bondservant for us. He He creates a new understanding of our jobs and our careers. Perhaps you're in that stage of life where it is all about your career. It is all about making your way, making a name for yourself, seeing the world and all that the world has to offer. The world is your oyster. There's nothing wrong with that, but have you been transformed by the grace of God? Do you view all that you have the freedom that you have, the resources you have, the opportunities you have, do you view them as a a great opportunity to be a minister for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's what God calls us to when he transforms us by the grace of God. To the extent that we recognize the fact that God himself laid his life down to give us life, we are convicted and motivated to give our lives in the service of others to the glory of God, to 
to, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? Has that happened in your heart? Let me tell you another story. Another person Paul mentions in his letter. He, he says in verses 3 through 5, Greet Prisca, she's also known as Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Also, greet the church that is in her house. Greet Epinetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Now, looking at scriptures from Acts 18, 1 Corinthians 16, Acts 19, I imagine Priscilla and Aquila were living the dream too. But they were home builders. They were tent makers. They were living in their Italian villa. They were in the center, economic center of the world with a successful home building business, having financial resources, enjoying their Jewish community, loving their Jewish family, raising their kids with the best education in the world. Experiencing the family dream roots deep in the community. And all that changed when Claudius became emperor of Rome and exiled all the Jews out of Rome. And they were ripped up in a moment. Their life was turned upside down. And they move out of town and they find themselves in Corinth. And I can just imagine their small family gathered around in Corinth saying, well, what do we do? And they say, well, we do the only thing we know to do. Let's just start all over. And so they start building people's homes, getting the word out, building their friends' homes because they're all moved out into Corinth with them. And so they start rebuilding their lives. And one day, they're growing, they're good at business, their business is taken off again, and they need employees. And so they put the word out, we need some people that can help, we need someone with some tent-making skills. And so someone applies, and guess what his name is? Paul. And so they hire Paul, they bring Paul in, and Paul starts to... Teach them about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. They thought they were just hiring an employee. I don't know if they became believers when Paul, when they came in and lived with Paul and started working with Paul, or if they were already believers. But we see they certainly, if they're hanging out with Paul, they're getting the word of God. And they're learning and they're being taught about the bigger mission of God, that God is on mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. earth. And they're that guy that if you've ever had a person in your life that just embodies everything that you've read about in books, and he lives it, and he breathes it, and he smells it, and he he doesn't just talk about it, it just oozes from him. He lives for Jesus. And it's changing their hearts. It's challenging their thinking on their careers. It's challenging their priorities. I I just thought the most important thing I could do for my kids was to give them the best education they could have. And Paul's life is just saying, really, is that what it's all about? And he's teaching them the word of God, the mission of God, the glory of God about grace. And they're changing and they don't even see it. But everybody else says there's something going on in their life. And so they work side by side with Paul for a season in Corinth. And then God does the unimaginable. 
for some reason, they find in their hearts a willingness to move and to say, you know, we can do this again. We can start this. We have a skill. We have a business. We have an attitude. We have the resources. Why don't we move to Ephesus where there's no one who knows about Jesus? So this family who was so rooted and grounded and focused on their lives and their business and their families and their education and their connection and their deep roots, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it was all about that. And now they're saying, maybe God's telling us to go to Ephesus and to start all over again, but do it to spread the gospel. And they do it. And they uproot. And they go to plant a church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was the heart, the cultural heart of this Roman province of Asia. And Paul mentions this young man who says that was the first convert in Asia. I believe that he mentions that right after he talks about them because they led him to the Lord. They got to see the first believer in the Roman province of Asia because of their obedience. To the Lord. And so they move to Ephesus and they start pouring their life in. They start building their life again. And now everything is different. Apparently they had matured and they hear a young man named Apollos preaching boldly, proclaiming, speaking boldly, access loudly, boldly for the name of God, the things of God. And when he's done, they kind of politely, as the mature couple of God that they are, they kind of bring them to the side and say, hey, we need to tighten up some of your theology. Because it's not like you're getting it all right. So this young, zealous man, Apollos, they take him under his wing and they disciple him in the truths of God. He had the zeal, but he had no knowledge. And he they... Work on Apollos is later the one that Paul says, Apollos watered. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. So God is doing amazing things through this couple. Not long after, Paul joined them in Ephesus for a lengthy time of ministry, 1 Corinthians 16, 19 says. And it was probably, I would guess, it's during this time when Paul is in Ephesus that Paul's life was threatened because an unruly mob or riot rose up to take Paul as he was preaching the gospel. They, they just had not want to have anything to do with this. And so they're trying to kill him. That maybe that's when Paul is referring to when he says, this couple risked their own neck to save my life. The grace of God transformed this couple into an amazing couple for the glory of God. So after a season on the road, learning to view their life as just instruments in the hand of God, tools, resources to be spent for the glory of God, the emperor Claudius dies, and finally they're able to return to their villa in Rome, back to Italy. What an amazing story. Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but so do all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that's in their house, because I've heard they started a church in their house. And greet that first convert that they led to the Lord. Behind every name, There's a story. And behind every story, there's the grace of God.
This is what the gospel does to people. So I ask you, is your life about just getting roots as deep as you can in the Shreveport? Is your life just about getting the best education for your kids? Is your life just about getting your business up and running and off the ground? Is it just about building your Italian villa? Is it just about your retirement and getting it all laid out, getting all your plans laid out just in the right order? Is that really what life is all about? When we experience the grace of God, it changes everything. It, it mobilizes us. It grips us. It draws us into the mission of God. And we don't think about missionaries now simply as that formal, paid person who goes and has that office of missionary. Or we don't just think of ministers as the ones on staff at Norris Ferry Church where they've walked away from a career and they have an office at the church. The grace of God experienced through the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms all believers into missionaries and ministers. If this was just the spread of the gospel, the history of the spread of the gospel was more about believers in everyday life as they are going, making disciples, as life happens and they end up going because of persecution and God doing a great work in their hearts because they know, I am saved in order to be a missionary or a minister of the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. Is that your experience, married couples, families. Have you experienced grace at that level, at your core, at your identity, that affects your purposes and your priorities and your resources and your plans and your retirement? That's what Paul says happened to Priscilla and Aquila. And then after mentioning an amazing woman, Mary, in verse 6, he goes on to another couple, Adronicus and Junius, in verse 7. These are probably another husband and wife couple, but they are sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't know much about them, but we certainly know they reached a point where they were willing to speak the gospel no matter what the cost, and it landed them in prison. Ordinary, average people. But their lives become extraordinary by the grace of God. So much so that this couple, they weren't officially apostles, the office of apostle with a capital A. But the apostles, they were outstanding among the apostles. The apostles knew them and were so impressed by their commitment. We as ministers and staff, we experience that. We're like, man, we get paid to do this, but that person, they don't get paid to do it, and they are sold out. That's what this couple was like. They were so impressive, their willingness to sacrifice for the gospel that the apostles were amazed at their gospel ministry, that they would be imprisoned For the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every name has a story. I think this speaks to those people who struggle with fear and security and comfort and safety. 
Do you trust God enough? And maybe it's as simple, which is not easy, but as, as simple as opening your mouth and sharing the gospel at work. Maybe it's you know God's calling you. You know you have a heart to go and go on a mission trip, but you're just gripped with fear. And God's saying, trust me. Trust me with this. Think of the stories of the people that I've cared for all these generations. Then in verses 8 through 15... He just rapidly progresses through all these people, their names, just rapid fire. Greet them, greet them, greet this person. Oh, and greet this person. Experts spend a lot of time looking at the makeup of the names and determining that they are from all races, all economic classes, all walks of life. Ampliatus and Urbanus were probably slaves or had once been slaves. Apelles is unknown, but Paul says he had proven himself, which meant that he had likely endured a tremendous trial and was faithful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are of the household of Aristobulus were probably slaves who worked in the household of an unbeliever, but that unbeliever was a brother to King King Herod Agrippa I. And so God had put them in a uniquely powerful place of service. And he mentions the household of of uh, Narcissus, socially prominent family that these believers were serving in their house. He greets these two sisters, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Their name literally means dainty. Now, you know the guy who fails out of med school and they call him Doc his whole life? I don't know if they're really dainty or not, but their names were dainty sisters, the dainty sisters. Or Persis, a slave woman, or Rufus who... Scholars think that he probably was the son of Simon of Cyrene. Who is Simon of Cyrene? But the man who helped Jesus carry his cross. Behind every name, there's a story. My dad carried Jesus' cross. And he experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. How amazing would that story be? Then he rambles off several more names. Men, women, husbands, wives, their children... Greet them and the church that meets in their house. Greet them and the church that meets in the house. Greet this brother and sister in Christ. They've served so faithfully. Mary's worked so hard. And they've got that church meeting in their house. God is working in these people's lives. Tell them, hey, for me. Give them a hug and a kiss for me. God's stories of grace behind every name. And skipping down to the end, Paul then shifts to say, Now, all the people with us greet you. And he mentions Timothy. That's his ministry son, the one he poured his life into Timothy, teaching him, discipling him, entrusting the word of God to him, teaching him, go, do as I do. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't let your youth hold you back, Timothy. Timothy, the fellow worker, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, his kinsman, and Tertius, the scribe who wrote the letter for Paul, and Gaius, host to Paul, or the scribe. And, and he says, the whole church, and then Eras- 
he, Erastus, he mentions the a city treasurer and Quartus, the brother. He's just mentioning all these names and the point starts to get clear. All these different people from all walks of life, a mother, a father, a, a, a tent maker, a treasurer in the city, a, a servant in a prominent household, a servant in a very common household, Jews, Gentiles, all these names are stories of the transforming grace of God. And Paul is saying, I love these people. This is what grace does in people's lives. Have you experienced the grace of God like this? This is not the American dream with a little Jesus on the side. This is not religion as a category among many other categories. This is an all-consuming life changing, heart-transforming, priority-reorienting, new identity, new purpose, new use of priorities, new vision for why you are here. The mission of God becomes who you are, what you do, why you're here. Perspective for all things comes in the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. And he says, hey, When people get this, they come together. Read Acts 2. They come together. They study the word of God together. They eat together. They pray together. They help one another. They serve together. They take care of his needs. They share whatever's needed to be shared. And they do all this knowing that wherever I go, wherever God leads, God has me, average Joe and average Jane, on mission as a missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Got to get rid of those concepts of professional minister or missionary and understand we got to own it. It's all of us. We've intentionally built our church around this model of Acts. We're not trying to do a bunch of programs and get this big building and be this big metropolis church and make a statement for ourselves. We're just trying to say, hey, gather together as people who have experienced the transforming grace of God and know the word, to study the word, to teach the word, to encourage the word, to be all about the gospel and the mission of God. And as you're going, wherever you are, this city, the next city, this job, that job, your home, wherever you are, be a minister of the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what we're here for. That's what we're trying to do by God's grace. And I pray that this list of names encourages you to tell your story. Tell your story how God's grace has transformed your life. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us to truly understand the grace of God and be so overwhelmed by it and moved by it and transformed by it that we understand we are called to minister. We are called to live a life on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we all have natural centers of influence, natural context. Some of us are hiring employees. Some of us are 
serving in our own home as mothers, fathers of our households. Some of us are building a business. Some of us are traveling all around the country as a salesman. Some of us are trying to get a business off the ground. Some of us are married with lots of obligations. Some of us are not married and lots of freedom. Lord, all of us, if we've experienced the the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, all of us are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are to live on mission to spread that good news for your glory. I pray that you'll make it true of us today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.